Hi, you're listening to Delusional Optimism with Dr. B, where we explore human resiliency and learn how people thrive even after adversity. We break down the complexities of the human brain so concepts are simple and relatable. It's fun and empowering to understand how your earliest experiences influence your relationships today. What makes you tick? Dr. B is a speaker, trainer, and consultant who understands emotions and human development from the inside out. Let's dive into today's episode. Here's Dr. B. Welcome back. (laughs) Power up. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome back to Delusional Optimism. I'm, oh my goodness, I'm your host, Seth Creekmore, and I'm with my co-host, Dr. B, or maybe you're the host, I'm the co-host. We're just hosts, hostesses here. Hostess, yeah. Hosts. We're a little Debbie. Yes, hosts. Today we are talking about soft parenting. And Dr. B, you brought this up as a potential topic because of it came up somewhere. Some people were asking you about it. Um, so yeah, how, how did this come up for you? It came up for me. I was doing a presentation in, uh, at a the Kings County Aces Aware conference last week. And in the question and answer period, a young parent asked me a question about gentle parenting or soft parenting. And I found that question to be so interesting and mm. The other thing it was was so inspiring for me because it it made me realize that uh, new parents are really thinking about parenting differently, That's and amazing. that made me very happy that they're they're able to to integrate the science and child development into their parenting style. They just need support and help mm-hmm. to do that in a way and reassurance that that is. That's a that's a positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the concept of soft, gentle parenting? What what if for people that don't understand what that means? Well, so I think soft, gentle parenting, and this is not. I don't know that that's even a formalized title or not. That that's sure. just the I title like that I do too. Yeah, I like it a it. lot. Let's it's keep a term it. Now. <laughs> <laughs> it is there. You go. We've coined it. But the idea for me is, and this is something that I've said for a long time, is parenting for understanding, not parenting for obedience. Mm. So we do that by using something in the arena, what we can call soft parenting. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes information. But it allows us to be more gentle and kind in our parenting because we're trying to help somebody understand something rather than making them do something, mm, which yeah. is can be very harsh and, and immediate. You know, it just gives yeah. you that sense of coldness. I'm sure there's a balance between the two, right? Because there, there are times when we just need to do it because that's the thing that we're supposed to do. I mean, that's that's how I was raised in a lot of ways. It's like, do it because I said so. Um, and not right. that they were always like that. But yeah, so where is that balance um, that we help the kid understand, but also teach them how to just obey because it's the thing that they need okay. to do? That's a great question. And that is the ultimate question around this particular mm-hmm. topic. And we don't ever really need kids to 
obey. We need them to behave in certain ways Hmm. to get done what we need to get done or for them to get done what they need to get done. Very different than obey. Huh, that's fair. So first, first change of shift of language, you know, we need you to do this. So it really comes down to, and I'm going to use the image of like concentric circles. Think about mm-hmm. the pattern of concentric circles. And every circle rim is, there. are the boundaries. And the circle is pretty darn tiny when you're a baby. Mm-hmm. Like your parent has to be the circle for you and you are like not, they can't let you cross the boundary. You might fall in the swimming pool or you might, mm. you know, run into the street or crawl into the street. So that's the boundary. And soft parenting in that arena would look like, oh, I'm going to hold you. I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to carry you. I'm going to I'm gonna tell you we're walking in the street right now, and this is not always a safe place. Hmm. Even though they don't, can't repeat those words, they don't have language yet, guess what? Receptive language is way more advanced than expressive language. So when you say things to a baby, they can understand them much sooner than they're ever able to repeat them. Okay, can you define receptive and expressive real quick? Yes, receptive language is what you hear. So if I say to a baby, okay, bring mama the ball, a baby can crawl over, get the ball, and bring the ball back. Are you hungry? Yes. You know, like babies can hear phrases and sentences and follow almost like three level tasks. You know, mm-hmm. go in your bedroom, get the ball, and bring it to mama. Mm-hmm. A baby can do those tasks even though they cannot say, I went in my room, I got a ball, I brought it to my mom. They can't say it. That's expressive. Receptive is just hearing it. Is it? It's more than just tonality of the voice, correct? They're, correct. they're still relating like a ball is the object, the spherical It's vocabulary. Object. Okay. It's vocabulary. So this okay. is why when people say, well, you don't need to talk to a baby because they don't understand anything. Mm. Oh, no, no, no. Yes, they do. You are laying the foundation for language and communication. Mm-hmm. So that's why we want to talk to babies about all the things that we're doing to them with them and for them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to get the I'm going to get an apple and cut it up into little pieces cuz you love apples and yeah. and I love to make you happy or you know whatever. Mm. I know it's your favorite. And so we incorporate our emotional language along with our practical language even though the baby doesn't respond verbally also, they definitely respond with their whole body and their emotional Mm. sense. The other part of that is, no, we do not let children just run wild. Like I hear this all the time, Mm -hmm. like don't let them run wild. No, no, we do not want our children to run wild. We still have very appropriate expectations for appropriate behavior based on age and development. Mm. So you're not going to expect, okay, three-year-olds are notorious for just blurting things out that are 
unkind that are super obvious and that can be really embarrassing. You know, like, what's that on your face or what's (laughs) whatever. I'll tell you a funny story about my oldest son who said, my dear, dear, dear friend was a bigger woman. Mm-hmm. And and six feet tall. So for him, he was little tiny. Yeah. And he was about four. And he adores her. I mean, to this day, still adores her. But when he was little, she showed up and he comes running out the door and wraps his arm around her and says, blah, blah, blah. You're so fat. <laughs> <laughs> And so, you know, and she handled it beautifully. She (laughs) said, you know, I mean, as a parent, I was mortified. This is like one of my dearest, dearest friends. And she said, I am. I'm so big. I just have more of me to love you. And that was what she said. It was just sweet. And it has been a, you know, Mm. a a lifetime family story for 30 years. But Mm. But imagine had I, and that's that's perfectly developmentally expected. Mm-hmm. Kids just, they think it, they say it, they have no filter. They, they mm-hmm. can't help it. There literally is no filter. Yeah. So we have to have grace for them to mess up because at seven or eight or nine, if they said that, we would say, whoa, you know, that's really kind of, that yeah. hurts someone's feeling. They have a different experience. So those concentric circles Mm -hmm. are the boundaries that are set at different ages and stages. But we have to know it first. Soft parenting, I imagine, may sound really exhausting to some people because it just takes a lot more engaging and thought instead of just, here's the rules, follow it or else. Is there is how would you um, appease not appease uh, calm calm the fears of those that are hesitant to step into that? Well, I'm just gonna say that okay, soft parenting yes takes time, takes energy, takes a lot of work, but guess what? So does parenting a difficult mm. child who is wreaking havoc on your life. So yeah, but. Everything takes time. Parenting in across the board takes time. People believe that it takes less time if you just spank them and sit them down or put them in their mm. room. But in reality, you're just you're just postponing the time yeah. that it's going to take to deal with not dealing with it in the moment when it made sense yeah. to deal with it. Because now you're going to add a new behavior onto it and mm-hmm. possibly a trauma, possibly, you know, just confusion. Yeah. But you're going to deal with it. We're in total denial about soft parenting taking more time than mm. harsh parenting. That is just, that's just false. That's just yeah. a belief that people have said. It all takes time. And so why mm. not take the time doing it in a loving, kind way that actually leads to more positive behavior. We actually win time back later Mm. if we take the time at the beginning. All right, so the second part of of this episode, we wanted to talk a little bit about strategy, how to to parent with this sort of style. (laughs) 
With, I mean, yeah, that is maybe perhaps a bit more efficient than if you just try to do it uh, flying by the seat of your pants, which most of parenting is anyways. But here <laughs> we have a few strategies. Dr. B has a few strategies that may be able to help that. So uh, help, the, help the people out, Dr. B. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, there, you know, parenting is not easy. So the fantasy that parenting is ever going to be like this super easy thing we do is a fantasy. So we've mm-hmm. got to just let it go. It's also something, though, that people love and they love their children and they want them to be happy mm-hmm. and caring, contributing people. So so we're invested in this. The strategies would be, one, recognizing that behavior has meaning. So if you're seeing a behavior that is inappropriate or out of line that is not working, that is actually the root. There's a need. We got to find the need in order to address the behavior. Behavior has meaning, so we need to address the need in order to tackle the behavior. What is required of that is understanding typical development versus you know, just assuming that every child is a mini adult. They're not a mini adult. Their brain is not, does not function the way an adult's brain functions. So we have to be always thinking about the perception of the child versus our perception. Hmm. Something that's a first time experience for a child. We may have had that experience so many times. So it's not interesting to us anymore. But if you're five and you're, you know, seeing a fish in an aquarium for the first time ever and it's super Mm. interesting and you don't want to leave the office and the parents like, come on, we got to go. Come on, we got to go. And they're Mm -hmm. like, no. uh." And that can become a problem very quickly if we just stand there and say, wow, you've never seen a fish in an aquarium before. Look at this. Like, this is super cool for two minutes. You've changed the whole pattern of experience. Mm -hmm. We could have fought for two minutes, cried in the car, or I could have stood there and talked to you about it for two minutes and then gone to the car. Yeah. But there's a million of those things, and they're all across the board developmentally. So an adolescent who is, you know, experimenting with drugs or alcohol. We need to ask questions about that. If we Mm -hmm. have a toddler who wants to play with the, or, you know, a toddler who wants to play with the remote on the TV, Mm -hmm. okay, it's a phase, it's a stage. We need to understand that it's very powerful to have control over that thing that goes boom on. Right. And then boom, it disappears. And to have lots of adults wanting to get that thing from you. Like Mm. you're in a very powerful situation as a two-year-old when you have adults who want something that you have. So there are parts of that that let the baby have some power because they don't have a whole lot of power in their lives. Somebody can scoop them up any moment and haul them to another room. That doesn't happen to us as adults. Well, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. 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 <laughs> For the most yeah. part. For the most part, With, yes. Without our permission, usually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and then, then even I was just telling, talking to my niece about this, who has um, a, a baby and a three and a half year old. Mm-hmm. But so a, a child in a like say eight, nine, ten months, even eleven months, they sit at their high chair and they throw food or something off the high chair to the floor. Okay, 
or their fork or their spoon, whatever. They drop it off the edge. Right. And parents go like, why are you doing that? And they pick it up and they put it back on and they get mad because they, they've now started this game of throwing it off, picking it up and putting it back, but it's not fun for the parent. But mm-hmm. what we aren't thinking is for the baby, they don't really have object permanence yet. So when they throw mm-hmm. it off the edge of the table or the, the high chair, they think it disappeared. Magic. It's gone. And then who, the parent, magically makes it reappear, and that is yeah. fascinating for a baby. So mm-hmm. if that if that happens, okay, once again, let's enjoy it and know that it's going to go away and pass. So sure. understanding and anticipating the behaviors and things that are going to happen and going with the baby's flow or the child's flow to some degree and trying to see it from their situation mm-hmm. is a lot more time sensitive. You know, we're much more, we, we actually are going to end up spending the time either way. Why sure. not make it positive? So let's, let's take an example, like single mother or father and, and doing the spoon, the kid is doing the spoon thing. They also have two other kids at the table. How do you go with the flow with that situation when your energy and all your attention is going elsewhere? What what how do we how do we do soft parenting in that? In that situation, that's a great mm-hmm. question. Because parents are overwhelmed, and especially if mm-hmm. you're a single parent trying to parent three kids, they're all different ages and have different needs. We don't have to be perfect. You don't mm-hmm. have to run through every one of these scenarios in like perfect ABC order. If that baby is going to drop stuff off the high chair and you don't have the time or energy to pick it up off the floor, just don't engage. Yeah. Just don't engage. Just pay it to do what you're doing and clean the whole mess up at the end Mm. or fit that into whatever the routine is around food. Expect that the baby's going to do that. And, you know, we don't have to get wound up into the battle. We're avoiding the battles because if you want to play the game, play the game. If you don't, just let them drop it off the end and, you know, don't do it. It Just Mm -hmm. don't engage. Because we also know that behaviors will extinguish themselves if we just completely ignore them. Mm -hmm. That's really hard. (laughs) It's very difficult to ignore behaviors that are irritating especially when kids are persistent about it. But if you're just like, "Mm," you know, oh, I was just talking to Seth. Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. I completely ignore poking, 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 you know, just ignore. So not beating ourselves up over doing the best we can, we do the best we can. We learn about development. We learn, we practice anticipation when possible. And we know that we're not going to quote unquote ruin our kids Mm -hmm. when we don't do it perfectly all the time. We all shout at kids. We all, you know, we all mess up as parents. Then just say that, you know what? I was pretty harsh with you a little bit ago and I'm really sorry about that. I don't like it when I talk to you like that. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to apologize. Mm Mm-hmm. You're not giving anything away by doing that. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. You're giving nothing away. Mm. 
in that same situation, right? So you're, let's say you leave the spoon on the floor, but then how do you properly ignore child without missing them? So it, it, it comes down to setting boundaries and teaching the rules, right? Mm. So interrupting is a rule. Like when I'm on the phone, it's not okay to interrupt me. So I'm going to ignore mm-hmm. you if I'm on the phone and you're interrupting me. If you're 12 months, though, pretty much sure. it has to be age appropriate. <laughs> but a seven-year-old who can totally understand the rule, having the rules set, which are the boundaries, mm-hmm. that's that concentric circle is the family's set of rules for that particular child because different children might be at different circles at mm-hmm. the at the time. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So, so I mean really again it comes down to communication and then being consistent with that. Mhm. Yes. yes. So uh, th- this last and final part of this episode, we're going to be talking about, I guess, perspectives and influences that may affect how you parent, whether that be soft or slightly more strict. So what are the things that we need to be aware of? There's this parenting spectrum, laissez-faire parenting, authoritarian parenting, and then authoritative parenting is sort of in the middle. But in the grand scheme of things, we don't have to... We don't want our children to have no boundaries because that makes them feel unsafe and unprotected. And so then all their behaviors show that Mm -hmm. because they're running wild trying to get your attention in order to make sure they're protected and safe. If you're so harsh, they never get the experiences of the world so they don't have any frame of reference for things that can happen and what to do about it. So when we parent, when we're soft parenters or when we were communicative parents, then we talk through what's going on so we ensure that the child understands what and why what they're doing is either a problem or what some other solutions would be. We're teaching Mm -hmm. them problem-solving skills. We're wiring their brain to be problem-solvers for themselves which ultimately is the goal of a parent. You want your child to grow up and problem solve and be independent and live on their own, right? So we should then follow that that rule book for ourselves. One thing that always comes up with parents and infants is around sleeping. This is where soft parenting, you know, letting the baby sleep with the parents Hmm. or parent and when to move them out and what to do. And, you know, this can be, this is cultural because many places around the world, the whole family sleeps together. And then in the United States, often, you know, babies have their own room on the other side of the house. But when we think about development, we know that babies don't have the ability to communicate their needs other than by crying. And so we want to keep them close to us And babies actually in the beginning weeks, months, days, weeks, months, even year of their life regulate to our emotions and Mm. pattern their breathing and their heart rate with us. So mamas and babies actually get more sleep when they sleep, when they co-sleep in a safe environment. No drugs, no alcohol, Mm. no, 
you know, sleep disorders, you know, certain things like that, or if they're in a safe space. So this is where old cultural stories about, you know, let the baby cry themselves to sleep or train the baby to sleep. It's false information. Like babies don't have the capacity to be trained to sleep yet. They're need-based. They need to eat, Mm. sleep, and be loved and taken care of. So at this point, we need to just follow their communication pattern. And then eventually, they're, of course, going to always want to sleep with their parent. That's that's often a thing. But then we can slowly start to move them into their own space, whether mm. they sleep independently or with a sibling. But if you think about life, oftentimes people spend a lot of their life sharing a room or a bed space with other people. We're social beings and that's how we often live in close quarters. So being alone by yourself is can be difficult for children. Mm. So we, this is one of those super sensitive areas. Sleeping, eating, and toileting are the three things that parents really struggle with and need the most support with. So I guess what I want to say about soft parenting is that we live in this world now where we're in a transitional phase generationally. That's what we always talk about. So we're we're millennials are parents now and our Gen Z homelanders are, you know, right on the brink of becoming parents and they're doing things differently and they need support mm. and it's okay to reach out to get support around soft and gentle parenting. There's some really good websites. But the idea that we have to control behavior is a false idea. What we need to do is we need to understand behavior in order to guide behavior, in order to get Mm. the results that we want. And the results that we want are to raise happy, healthy, self-sufficient or, you know, group sufficient, Mm -hmm. um, contributing happy children into adults. So when we do the things that lead us down that road, that is that soft parenting as Mm -hmm. opposed to I'm going to get my needs met and you're going to follow my rules. And then when you're a grown up, you can figure all that out yourself. And I don't really care about how we get there. We're just going to get there my way. My way or the highway. So that's the difference. Yeah. yeah, It it just sounds like, it sounds like, like with most things, you can either, you're either trading time now or time later, energy now or energy later. Um, And and even if you don't necessarily deal with a rebellious child, you're passing that on for them to work through or not later on in their life. So, and I would, and I would say that really, if you think about the emotional energy it takes to get mad at a kid and carry that out, mm. you're not really gaining any minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really the same amount of time, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So because if spanking worked, you would spank a child and they would never do that behavior again. Mm. But they do. They do yeah. it over and over and over and over again. So families who spank, spank all the way across childhood. 
It mm. didn't work. Mm. It didn't work. It worked in the immediate moment mm-hmm. for a flash of time, but it also costs because it sends children into the mode of, oh, I should hide if I do that behavior, not let somebody see me. Whole other episode. <laughs> Whole other episode. <laughs> All yeah. right. Uh, well, thank you for sharing your wisdom, Dr. B. Yeah, and, thank you. Uh, we will see you all later. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I appreciate the opportunity to connect with you. If you're interested in booking a training, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at my website, Dr. B Connections. There's a big button that says, book a training with Dr. B. It's that easy. If this show has been beneficial for you, please share it with your friends and family. Spreading the word about the show helps us grow our audience and helps continue to change the world together. Again, thanks so much for listening to Delusional Optimism. Now, go leave a life present. All content on delusional optimism is for informational and educational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice and does not establish any kind of patient-client relationship. A patient-client relationship is only formed through a written contractual agreement. If you need medical or mental health care advice, you should consult your doctor or therapist or go to your nearest hospital.